All right, welcome back to best hour of their day. We have the owner of Mossy Creek CrossFit, Jameson Price. Welcome to the show. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. So, Jameson, you are one of those people that took us up on our offer whenever we're like, hey, hit us yeah. up. You did it. And we get a lot of yeah. people. And Fern and I were just talking yesterday how some of our best episodes are just people that own a yeah. box or coach and you know, you want to talk about it because this, this show is really for all CrossFitters, but specifically box owners, coaches, and what better place is there to get ideas and best practices than from people doing it well. So yeah, we're excited cool. to have you. Cool. Thank you. I appreciate it. So you just, uh, you were saying near Cookville, near uh, mm -hmm. all the champs are basically, how far are you from there? We are like right at two hours away from Cookville. So they're like, we are in a really saturated area for really competitive people. So, cause um, I think Chase Hill, who is on Mayhem Independence, owns a box like in more in Knoxville area. So he's like in between us. So we got a bunch of competitors um, around here. So uh, it's a, it's pretty dense area for CrossFit. We're the only box like within kind of, in, in our area but once you get into knoxville it's it's pretty it's pretty dense with with affiliates so the culture and vibe of the competitiveness of crossfit mm. it's, is it really expanding that far in other words you know typically it'd be like oh well this box is competitive this one isn't but when you're two hours sure. from you know froning fraser tia mm -hmm. is it just like the entire state becomes competitive I think uh, I think it's the case where if you think back into just regionals times uh, where I guess we were like I think Central East regional, yeah, uh, it it would be the case where if you if you were to do the open like as a member of Moss Creek CrossFit, um, and you looked up our exact leaderboard for our region, like the first names were Matt Fraser and you know no. Uh, Rich Froning and the whole Mayhem crew. And so I think that's a little bit embedded and kind of integrated into our culture because it's like, man, this is, what are we supposed to do? Like, <laughs> might as well just go ahead and knock off the first 20 spots because it's going to be those guys. Um, and so I think like it has kind of, it has kind of ingrained itself as a excessively competitive area. Um, but I mean, it's just kind of part of overall culture anyways, being very like celebrity obsessed in a sense. Um, but honestly, I think those, I think the guys at Mayhem do an excellent job being really down to earth about it. Um, and so they make themselves pretty accessible as well. So they've just had a really great impact kind of in our region, just for the sake of CrossFit, even outside of the competitive nature of it. So they're, they're connected and engaged and helpful for sure. Yeah. I mean, I was at the central East regional, man, it must've been like 2012 or 2013. And I think they, at the time they had three spots. And that yeah. year, because of previous winners and previous, they backfilled to like six. It was like Froning, Bailey. Um, yeah. I, you know, I don't even remember who else yeah. was, but it was, exactly. it, was a, it was a big, big time crew. I noticed you got uh, some yeah. whiteboard daily pictures back there. Shout out to our yeah, friend man. Carl. Yeah, man. yeah, I got some stuff we made, like those colorful ones are ones we made for our gym and then got some whiteboard daily stuff up there as well. So... Well, yeah, it's great. So, so let's dive into it. You, you had reached out to us and part of what we were talking about is just the vibe and the culture of CrossFit. And I think, you know, one of the challenges when it comes to running a successful affiliate and 
we get asked all the time, hey, how do you run a good box? And I think people want like, oh, here's your checklist. You know, go fill this out and come back when it's done. Like schedule, yeah. you know, obviously amidst the pandemic, some things have changed, but it's like, hey, run these classes at this time. Use this program and cap classes at this. Here's your equipment list. Right. But inevitably, yeah. when someone asks myself or Fern, it's like, oh, you know, give your members the best hour of their day. And yeah. they're like, yeah. what? Like, yeah. No, 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 no. Tell me what to do. And I'm like, right. I just did. But how right. the, the, the challenge there is, you know, completely opposed to CrossFit, which we say is measurable, observable, and repeatable. Mm -hmm. That's not often measurable. It's observable. Right. Like we can tell when you're doing it and it's repeatable if you do it right. Right. But it sounds to right. me like you guys at Mossy Creek have come up with a way to actually make this measurable. Yeah, I, yeah, absolutely. And because you, what you're like kind of speaking to are almost like the intangibles of culture, exactly. like how you walk in and you're like, oh, this is more than, you know, your cliche thrusters and burpees or whatever. That's just kind of what we say, I guess. Like this is more than just the product of CrossFit. This is, there's something about this that, that makes me really, really want to be a part of it. Um, and I mean, to your point, like uh, one of our core principles that uh, we essentially measure by is the is best hour of the day um like that's in, that's ingrained in our culture as like one of the primary targets of our coaches and then in our coaches evaluation process um we have like scaling one out of ten ways that we want to measure did you give them the best hour of their day uh and so like that's just kind of one piece that's kind of built into what we're calling the uh the affiliate operating system um and so for full transparency this was built from inspiration I gained out of doing the immersion course at CFNE with Bergeron and um, uh, uh, Morgan um, up there and so it was a is a really great experience and uh, if you have if you got the money to do it and the time to do it obviously that's not happening anytime soon nobody's traveling to Boston right now yeah I don't <laughs> even I was gonna say I don't I don't know if they're still doing it for one but certainly I don't know if they're running it now yeah, definitely not now. But I, I gained a lot of really valuable experience from that because I was just uh, I had just made a huge transition into box owning ownership full time. So I was like really hungry to get as much as I could out of it. Um, and so this is kind of what I garnered from that came back and went, yo, I, we got to build this thing, we got to build this system out because we have the passion for the product. Uh, we do have the culture, but we don't have the systems in place to kind of uphold and support the whole thing. And so the AOS, put simply, is uh, currently we're at, we're at draft two, printed draft two that all of our, our coaches and staff and everybody have, uh, and it's 45 pages long, and it is- Is this something you're willing to share with the listeners? Absolutely. Ab absolutely. Okay, cool. We'll, we'll figure out a, a way to get that to them. Yeah. yeah, I would absolutely love to do that. That's kind of the whole goal, is going um, uh, only the reality that only 3% of CrossFit affiliates report uh, annual profitability. Um, and most of those don't even pay their owner a salary and just going like the issue I think is not so much that CrossFit is not a profitable, um, business model. It, I think the affiliate is definitely a profitable business model. I think it's the fact that we have maybe less than 15 now, but nearly 15,000, um, affiliate owners around the world that are unbelievably passionate about the product, but aren't business owners. They're not entrepreneurs. 
they don't understand the systems, but like they're all, they're all passionate, great coaches. Um, and to that point, CrossFit's whole thing up until now, conveniently, I think CrossFit's whole thing has been really empowering the coach, training the coach, um, the L1, the L2, like those have been my experience so far studying for the L3 exam. Um, those have all been really cool and really amazing experiences. And I've, I've made unbelievable connections at those, but those are all empowering the coach, not necessarily the, the affiliate owner. Um, and so my passion is going, Hey, I, I think, I think our passion for this product is worth it being a career, not just a hobby. So like affiliates can be profitable. This thing can be a full-time job. It just requires the same approach as all businesses, which is we got to kind of figure out how to systemize the thing while, while making sure that we're not getting away from our culture by admiring or uh, valuing the systems over the product and over the culture. Um, so that's what the kind of the vision for this whole AOS thing is. It's going like, man, all I want to do is coach people and help people change their lives, but bathrooms have to get cleaned and memberships have to get managed and all of the day-to-day -day details has to happen. Uh, and people need to have the best hour of their day. And so how do we make, like you said, all that measurable? And so this kind of AOS booklet is our vision at making it all measurable. Um, so I don't really know in conversation how to get into all of it because it's so, I mean, in, in this AOS, we have like our core processes for how we coach classes as well as how we stock the fit aid fridge and clean the bathrooms. So it's pretty fast in terms of how stuff how stuff happens. So I don't know if the best way is like. Well, let me ask you a few background questions about yeah, it. Absolutely. When, when did yeah. you open Mossy Creek? So we are actually as Mossy Creek CrossFit about to celebrate two years of affiliation. We have been kind of, this gym has been in existence in some capacity for about five years. I took over with a, with a partner, took over ownership of it two years ago, changed the name, reaffiliated, moved into a new space and all that. So our affiliates has existed for about five, but under the Mossy Creek CrossFit banner has been, we're about to celebrate two years next week, actually. You say reaffiliated. So wasn't an affiliate at one point, at some it point, was a, the previous yeah. owners? Correct. Yeah. And, yeah. and so what caused you to say, okay, I'm going to take over. I want it to be an affiliate again. So we were, uh, myself and, and uh, my business partner now who own this affiliate were basically managing, managing it for the previous owner who uh, was a businessman, traveled a lot, but was pretty hands off, gave us a ton of freedom with it. And it was just stage of life kind of phased from one to another where it just didn't make sense anymore for us to have our hands on it so much without having ownership over it. Um, so not a, a hostile thing at all, but just the transition, one transition to another. And he ended up moving anyways. Um, and it was simpler and cleaner for us just to go, you know what, we want to move spaces. We don't want to use this old equipment. We're just going to start from kind of brand new. So we renovated a new space. We financed from Rogue uh, brand new equipment. And um, thankfully we were able to to take a bit more risk with that because we weren't necessarily a startup because we knew we had a membership base coming with us as we made this transition. So we shut the old one down. We were closed for about two months. We offered free boot camp classes on a college campus for two months while we were renovating our new space, moved into our new space about two years ago and have just been kind of running it since then. So in that time, when did you realize all right, we need to create some sort of manual. 
Um, I think I realized that when I started coaching at the first box, um, because I was always frustrated with like the small nuances that like the inconsistencies between people's experiences from one class to another based on they got one experience with this coach and one experience with this coach or even like time of day, like really simply <clears throat> the morning classes got cleaner floors because the evening classes, you know, it got cleaned at night and that was it, you know? And so I, I noticed those little kind of nuanced things previously. And I noticed that, man, if the owner just didn't walk around the gym all the time with like their eyes open for what to address and what needed to be done, then like stuff wouldn't ever get done. Um, and so I think I noticed it then. What do you think caused you to be the type of coach that noticed that? Um, I think just maybe like the, the role, my role in the organization is more of the like visionary kind of esque role. And so even as, even when you were just a coach, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, I, I think that's kind of where I've, where I have leaned into in all of my roles and positions that I've had. Um, at the time that I was just a coach, I was working a full-time job as well. Um, and so I've always, I've been balancing that whole thing, um, for five years, I guess, between like towing the line between CrossFit being my vocation rather than just my passion and hobby and um, feeling kind of like my hands were tied behind my back of going, man, CrossFit and really changing people's lives and investing into people in that capacity is what I want to do. But there's, it's just not a full-time job. That's just what I was like. I was telling myself that. And um, I was really like kind of debilitated by that in a sense. Uh, and so it's working a full-time job while doing that. But I was frustrated all the time because all I had capacity for was coaching a class while all of these like other external pressures around me were frustrating me because I couldn't fix this or fix that or fix that. And so there was no delegation. There was no system. There was no process, really anything other than come in, hit the wad, don't prepare really at all for like don't have any like lesson plan prepared or anything like that. Just come in, hit the wad, be kind to people. Cause that's what I mean, always been part of our culture, you know, try to like excite people and encourage people. But there was just, there was nothing like measurable to it. Um, and so it, it really felt like we were constantly tripping from one thing to the next, um, which was really frustrating for me. So with that frustration, you eventually decide to become the owner, partner up with someone. Hmm. And you realize, okay, I need to create some sort of handbook so future coaches aren't frustrated, but also probably now that you're the owner, that you're not yeah. frustrated with your coaches. What, yeah, absolutely. What, were, what was the first thing you decided to document in that book? Um, the, so the first thing that we decided to do was our uh, accountability chart for our organization, which was who in the world fills what role. Uh, and so rather than like the, um, this, the organizational system of like a flow chart of going CEO, director of operations, director of this or whatever it was, all right, what needs to get done and who wants to do that? <laughs> and so we sat down and had those conversations that my business partner and I sat down and then the other people kind of that are, that are a little bit more senior level leadership with us that have kind of that caliber and that passion sat down and we just said, Hey, what, what needs to happen here? to give people the best hour of the day. And like, it was the, uh, we kind of measured it by the, um, the, the four box grid of what are you good at? What do you love all the way down to what are you bad at? And what do you hate? <laughs> and so we, we did the delegate 
and elevate thing, um, as well as the like, what, what do you really understand as an individual? What do you have the capacity to do and the skill to do as an individual? So we started building out our organizational chart from there just to know, all right, who does what and then who holds each other accountable for that? Um, so that was first and then quickly followed by our member experience, the whole vibe aspect of things. We go, and we know what we want people's experience to be from the second they pull into the parking lot to the second to, to when they leave. How do, we, how do we structure that? How do we spell that out? How do we systemize that and create a sense of expectation around that? Um, communicate that to our coaches, communicate that to our staff. So that, that in and of itself is probably like the vibe portion of our document is probably about three pages long. That's just like, hey, this is the athlete experience. Um, and then the second half of it is this is the staff experience. So this is what it means, not just to be an athlete here, to be a member here, but this is what it means to work here because it's really important to me as a leader in this organization that even if it's been a part-time job for somebody that like 15 years from now, somebody who used to work six classes a week for us looks back and goes, man, I learned the most working at Moscow CrossFit in this small little town in East Tennessee, or man, my, the, my favorite job I've ever had because there was just something special about it was at Moscow CrossFit in East Tennessee. And so, um, you know, we wanted to spell that out too. We're going best hour of the day for the, for the staff as well. You know, how do we empower them and enable them to do their best work? Um, so those were probably the, the two primary things that we built out first. So you, you mentioned as a box owner, you know, making sure your coaches do things they enjoy. Yeah. You know, cause it's hard, you know, things need to get done. It's, it's mm. not high on someone's list. Like, Oh, I hope I get to be the guy that, you know, scrubs the floors every, every night. Right. So right. what were, what was the, the task that people wanted the least? Task that people wanted the least. Um, I would say that uh, it seemed that people did not want to be controlled um, in their ability to coach their classes. So it was trying to find and like finesse really well this sense of expectation and requirement for them while also giving them total freedom to be themselves in the class. Um, so I think that that maybe, I don't know if that answers the question, but that was kind of our pushback is going like, our first step, we gave them a, a completely spelled out template from like zero minute, from minute zero to minute 60, this is what you do. And it was really rigid and it didn't provide a lot of freedom for the coaches to be themselves. So there was pushback there. And so we have, we've kind of iterated it into multiple different versions to where now it's going, all right, these are the coach's expectations, but the coach has a lot of freedom to kind of bring their own flavor to every class. So yeah, they definitely didn't want to be um, micromanaged in a sense, I guess, in their ability to, to actually just coach classes and engage with people. It started feeling very uh, pragmatic, I guess, or even robotic in a sense for, to them at first. So how, what are some things you were able to do to allow a coach to, you know, basically run the same workout, whether it's 6 a.m. or 6 p.m., but have the freedom to make it their own class? Yeah. So we have, um, we basically have, so all of our, what, what we call all of our procedures are basically our core processes. So under our coaching core processes, we have a class procedures. So they, it's a two page document. The front page is that very detailed. 
we walk through the general warm-up, the specific warm-up, the workout, the cool-down, the expectations for each of those, the times assigned for each of those. And then what we've done is take the, um, the aspects, the, the very CrossFit S aspects of, coach, of coaching, which is teach, see, correct, manage, demonstrate, presence, and attitude. We've taken all of those things and we have integrated those into each area. So basically said, hey, in the general warm-up, we want you focused on presence and attitude, uh, managing and teaching. Focus on those primary things. When you move to the specific warm-up, we want you focused on demonstration, teaching, seeing, and correcting. During the workout, you know, and, and I, for the most part, it's all of them at all times, but it's, it's trying to take it and, and narrow it down and aim a little bit smaller for them to go, all right, in the general warm-up, what do I need to be aware of? My presence and attitude first and foremost. And so like we say, we really, our first and foremost focus is to welcome well. The second somebody walks in the room, even if they are late, you do not say, hey, you're late. Like you welcome somebody well. If you gotta have a conversation with a like chronically late member on the side, fine. But don't, you know, don't, don't kill the vibe of the class when somebody walks in two minutes late. So like everybody gets welcomed well. And that's so so, for example, that's in the three pages of your book, and it yeah. says "Welcome, well." Mm -hmm. How do yep. you do? Do you measure that? Do you ever give feedback on that specific piece? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So one of our uh, so it's my wife actually fills the role of our member services, and she um, gets feedback from on a coach. Every coach gets feedback once a week from a class that they coach. She will look at our, so we use Wattify. She'll look at the Wattify coach board uh, and she will text every single athlete that came to that class and ask for actionable, anonymous, of course, feedback for that coach on that class. Uh, and so one of our coaches, um, his name's Thaddeus. And so she'll send out a text and say, hey, how was your 4.30 p.m. class experience with Thaddeus? We, you know, we know that you love him. That's great, but we really need some actionable, fee actionable feedback. This is for him to get better so that you guys can keep getting better. Um, so every coach gets that every single week. Um, so once a week, every coach is getting feed. That's pretty impressive. How many coaches do you have? So we have, counting the owner and I, uh, my business partner, the other owner and I, we have eight coaches. So it's he and I and six others. Um, and do you so, and your partner get feedback? We do, yeah. Yeah, which Weekly? has been fun. Yeah. So, and so we, and that's really been a, a huge thing for us is creating this feedback loop that has been a, both challenging, but also really rewarding. So my, uh, our member services role is just, is my wife gets the feedback from the athletes and then our coaches are um, paid to evaluate one another with our coaches evaluation form um, that we have. They're paid to evaluate one another once a month. And then my business partner and I evaluate all of our coaches once a month including including us so every coach is getting evaluated by each other getting evaluated by us and getting evaluated and getting feedback from members every month and then my business partner uh his name his name's scooter i'll just use his name uh he um he fills the role of our head coach so i'm more like visionary kind of operations and then he's our head coach and so part of his position and his job is uh, he sits down in one-on-one -on -one meetings with our coaches every month. So that was back in January when we implemented all of this. It was a significant investment to go, all right, now we're not just paying coaches to coach classes. We're paying them all once a month to come into a class they're not coaching to evaluate another.
the coach and we're paying them once a month to meet with scooter one-on-one for their for their one-on-one eval where he goes over all the feedback um and gives them something actionable and we pay them once a month to all gather together for our coaches meeting so it was like Mm, do we really like, can, can we swing this? And at the moment, honestly, we really couldn't. Um, and it required us to give up some other things or for Scooter and I to step in to take kind of some, to absorb some costs, some operating costs off of some other stuff, but it was absolutely worth it. Um, and to your point, man, like that was one of the things of this gives people the best hour of their day. And this is a better investment than any marketing strategy we could ever come up with. Like this is better than freaking like Facebook paid marketing or a six weeks challenge. It, this is giving people the best hour of their day and it's bringing people in. Um, so yeah, that's kind of our feedback system with the coaches that we came up with. Um, and are, and you, are you paying them their standard salary? The same that they would get paid for that class? For their emails? For whether it's their watching or yeah. meeting. Yeah. So yeah. you're really giving up, I mean, you know, call it six other coaches. 18 additional hours of, of pay right simply in feedback yeah yeah i think absolutely. that's important i mean the handbook sounds phenomenal and still yeah. want to talk a little more about that but you mean step number one is you have to be willing to make that investment in your coach's development yeah absolutely i mean and and for me i I tend to lean into the the idea and the mentality that as a as an organizational leader, as a leader of any kind, your team is the most important. You know, everybody's like, well, customer's always right, customer first. Yeah, maybe. Um, and of course, in our industry, the customer matters greatly because for us, they're not customers, they're community and they're family. Um, and so it's important, of course, but we serve them best by first serving our team. Um, and so like one of the things that we want to, we want to do is figure out how to like reward the fact that our coaches do well also. And so we've tried to, we've, we're trying right now to build out this, uh, almost because we do have so much feedback now every month that it's like, there is a way to measure this to where our coaches could actually compete. So we've, um, we've, we're implementing now what we're calling a coaches growth competition. So it's basically a way to find the coach of the month. And so it's basically going, Hey, you get points for all the, for how you do on all this feedback and the coach with the most points at the end of the month, we will buy you whatever accessory you want. Or like RPM rope, we'll buy you knee sleeves, we'll buy you wrist wraps, we'll buy you whatever you want. This is like, and the same coach can win every month. And it's unfortunately can't be scooter. Or I. So like there are six of you to compete with each other. Everybody's got the same fair chance. Uh, and so it's just this idea of going like, you know, and in very CrossFit fa- in, in CrossFit esque fashion, you're only competing against yourself. It doesn't matter how well another coach does. You just have to do your best. And so, I try to figure out a way to like reward that because part of our culture is very much like point to what's better. Don't punish. Don't punish first necessarily. Um, but there's got to be some sort of accountability in place for being late to classes, missing classes, doing poorly on evaluations. Um, you know, straight up ignoring all of our cultural aspects that give people the best hour of their day there's got to be some sort of accountability for that so it's this idea of like well you lose points for that and then you know we have scorecards that that we do as as a staff and and all of that as well so there's so much like accountability and feedback for that kind of stuff um all pointed at that idea of making the biggest impact giving people the best experience like influencing impacting and engaging with people the, the absolute best we can um so I, I, I 
agree absolutely that that's one of the biggest things to figure out how to systemize is your coach's investment and your coach's development. Um, because if you say that like you want to make an impact in people's lives and you know, have your gym be like a family and invest in the community, but you treat your coaches like trash, like that falls apart at its foundation, you know, at that point. And so, you know, I, I think that our investment into our coaches has been one of the biggest turning points. Um, and it may be getting out ahead of the conversation here, but to support your entire mentality of your business grows when you give people the best hour of their day. Since we reopened from quarantine due to coronavirus, um, we have added 24 athletes. We've been How long have you been? Go ahead. Seven weeks. So you reopened seven weeks ago? Mm-hmm. We so were open pretty early. Yeah, so it's it's we're kind of in a an interesting spot here. So we opened we, we were able to open for seven weeks. I think we were closed for a total of eight or nine weeks. Um, but yeah, we, we opened seven weeks ago and people were excited to come back. Obviously we had to, you know, maintain all the procedures and um, but we were able to build a lot of this during quarantine, which was great. So they came back and all of a sudden stuff was obviously different because it's post quarantine and people were pumped to be back, but they could tell something was different because we did a lot of this groundwork even during quarantine um, in terms of implementing this stuff. And what's, what is the coolest thing about that? So adding 24 members in seven weeks, we've never done before. Um, And I I want to say I, I, we ran the report last week and I want to say that 20 of the 24 were friends of existing members who have been in our gym for two years that all of the sudden decided to start bringing their friends. So it's like, we didn't market, we didn't get all of this new traction in the community in which like all these new people came. It was long-term, long-time members that could tell something was different that were like, we got to bring our friends now. Um, we got to bring people here. We want people to be a part of this. And it's not because it's not because our culture necessarily changed. It's because we were able to standardize it, make it measurable, like hold it accountable to give people that best hour of their day experience. And so like it, it, it just started working and we didn't even like, know we didn't really know that was going to happen. It was just, we knew we needed to do better that our people deserved better and that our team deserved better and that we as business owners deserve to make a career out of this, not just a hobby. Um, and then it just started working. Like all of a sudden the business started growing. And so that's been a, a really cool justif- justification to, yeah, your six weeks challenges that, that crap doesn't work. This is what changes people's lives. And um, people want to be a part of something that that's like, that's special. You know, it's, this is the unique selling point. I think you guys even said it in your podcast. If everybody asks what you what's unique about you, you're coaching and community, you know, <laughs> you got to have a way, you got to have a way to, to measure that if you're going to lean into it. Um, so that's been a super cool experience for us uh, just to see it work in that way. So I love it. Let's, let's talk a little bit more about those three pages of your handbook. You know, yeah. you mentioned um, the way you greet people. What are some of the other headlines or, you know, topics in that sure. section that people should be thinking about when creating yeah. the, the, the best hour of their day. And of course this is ignoring yeah. clean floors. This is ignoring beyond yeah. time, but very right. specific things. Yeah. Um, so one of the, uh, one of our roles in our organization is uh, to, 
our communications role. And we kind of put that person particularly over the responsibility of the, of the vibe. Um, we say like it's the feel or the spirit of Mossy Creek CrossFit. Um, and to do that, they were basically saying, well, you got to engage all of the senses like at that point. And so it really does matter like how it sounds and looks and all of that kind of stuff. And so like to your, to your point, all that stuff is important, but people are, are very willing to overlook a, you know, a dirty floor or a bathroom without paper towels. If, you know, it feels like family in the room. Um, and so I, I think the most important thing, and I guess backtracking a little bit, uh, to, to a question you asked earlier, the most important thing in that is, are your core values? And, um, I suppose that's what we actually built out first, but those were already done when we started this kind of handbook. And so I wasn't really even considering that as our first step, but, um, yeah, man, I, I think in our vibe, it's, it's absolutely going toe to toe with everything that is counter counterintuitive to your core values. Um, and so for us, our core values are humility, and we, we have a description of what that means, positivity, description, and excellence, description of what that means. Um, and so those are our core values, and everything that we want to do lives into those core values with as much aggression as necessary. Um, and so I think that in our vibe, it's, it's essentially making all of it measurable based on you got to nail the humility, you got to nail the positivity, and you got to nail the excellence. And when we do that, people notice. And especially with humility being first, that means like, okay, eyes off you and on to them. Um, whenever How do you take in. something like that and measure it though? So one of the, so I, I think it's important to know what it means for you. And so for us, our, um, our basic definitely like, lines of humility are uh don't think less of yourself think of yourself less don't complain don't make don't don't make excuses uh look for wins in every situation and then um you know excellence is excellence so uh making those measurable is difficult but it's it because it is still intangible in a sense um but i think you have to ask the questions often and that's what we've started doing is in these evaluations or in these scorecards that we have, um, the, the measurement that we use is uh, nail it. Are you nailing it? Are you getting it? Or are you missing it? And at some point it's just going, Hey, you know, like just even saying to scooter, like, Hey man, I I've seen you, I've seen you kind of miss the positivity this week as we evaluate each other in our staff meetings. And why is that? Or he's able to say to me, hey, like, you know, we have core processes for coaching classes and you didn't wipe the equipment down and you didn't, or you didn't put everything back where it was supposed to go. And we, we, can't, it, you, we can't uphold excellence if you're not willing to do it yourself. Um, and so it, it is in those minute details that, that require all the accountability. No, and, and what you're saying is is true. I, so the the question I would have is, some of those things are very objective, right? Hey, sure. class ended, yeah. you didn't wipe that down. Black and yeah. white, I saw it. Have you yeah. ever had a a time where whether it's Scooter, or one of your other coaches, and you're like, hey, you weren't bringing the positivity, and mm. he's like, yeah, I was. What are you talking about? Yeah, yeah, um, yes, because person. Because how do you measure that, right? Right, and, and from person to person. Say that one time you were breaking up. 
No, because I, I think we were saying the same thing because it varies from person to person as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because I've been just to be straight up in our in our coaches meeting last week during the the teaching portion, we were talking about like coaching with optimism, um, and I'm not a naturally optimistic person, and um, which is frustrating, I guess. But like. Uh, I think Scooter is, and our, our coaching staff is probably split half and half between like, we got some really like optimistic people. And then we've got the people who say they're realists, but are just straight up pessimists. They just get away with it by saying they're realists. Um, and so I think that it's part of just knowing your team. Like it's part of putting your team first and um, being able to walk through life with your coaches in a, in a really like open, humble way that says, Hey, I know that you, you know, you may be the kind of guy that just like, you know, you're on cruise control all the time and that's cool, but the members need you to be excited about what you're sharing or they're not going to be excited to learn it. Like if you're not, if you're not bringing a sense of excitement that they can see um, a sense of excitement that they can gain from, they're not going to be excited to learn what you're teaching. Even if you think you're excited about it, you've got to step it up. Um, and so I think that it's, it's not trying to make, you know, so Scooter is a, uh, a high caliber, high charisma dude. And I can't even, I can't match his charisma, even though I care so much about the people in the room. So it's not even about making me like him as much as elevating me to, to be my, the best version of my personality in those classes, which takes a lot of intangible investment um, into people. And so it's, I mean, it's the whole like, uh, coaching development concept or people development concept of like treating people like they have emotional bank accounts and just going, man, we got to deposit constantly into our coaches, emotional bank accounts. So that when it's time to say, Hey, I know that you're kind of a low energy dude, but come on, like it's not taken offensively. Um, because we've deposited so much and there's so much equity there for him to go, okay, I get it. Like, it's okay. Cause we have one coach who um, it's not even an, it's not necessarily even an energy issue. The dude's just quiet. And the first like three months he was coaching, I, it was just like too quiet, man, You're too quiet, You're too quiet. And so even just those small actionable things of going like, Hey, I know it's not necessarily because you're bored, but you got to bring the volume up in order to kind of add to some, some charisma in the room, bring up some energy in the room. So those little actionable things make a difference, but if that's the first conversation you've had with your coach in like a two months, then he's going to take that offensively because you haven't been investing into him. Um, and so I don't really know if that answers the question. I think, I think the frustrating part is it doesn't feel like there necessarily is an answer to systemize everything because at some point what we're talking about here is the intangible spirit of your and like DNA of your organization, the DNA of your gym, like just kind of the spirit that flows through it because I, I'm inclined to believe that our gym is a living, breathing thing. And at some point it's like pump it full of the system, pump it full of the, the structure, make it run, make it smooth, oil it up, but then like treat it with care because like there is a spirit to your organization. Um, and I think for me, like I, so my full-time job was in, uh, in full-time ministry. I was a, a student and college pastor for a while. I did worship ministry for a while. And um, that is one of the hardest industries ever to do exactly what you're talking about. Like systemize 
actionable care for people. <laughs> and so I've been wrestling with that for so long. Um, but I have the same mentality in the gym too. And so like, for me, it's all about being missional, bringing like that spirit into the space. Uh, and so this 45 page book currently is my best attempt at structuring it so that I'm free to like lean into like the soul of our gym, the spirit of our gym, so it can make an impact in people's lives. Um, but I do think it's hard because it's still, there's still some frustrating intangibles, some frustrating things that like, well, dude, that's just, that's just people. You can't systemize everybody. Like there's a certain weakness to it at a, at a point. It's, it's one of those things where it's hard to measure, but you know it when you see it. Yeah. Yeah. And you feel it too. Like, yeah, so, for sure. So let's, let's take, people who yeah. take, take that quiet guy. Were you able to turn him around? Were you able to see a change in him? Were you able to see that change in your coach that was quiet and, and did it make mm -hmm. a big difference in his coaching ability? Yeah. Um, yes. I would say the conversation I had and the conversation that Scooter had with him about being louder was not the thing that made a difference. It was much more providing a sense of uh, community and family for him that made a difference, that made him go, I'm willing to get out of my comfort zone because um, I want to be a part of what we're building here together. It, it was an, an investment into him, uh, a creating a sense of community for him to where it, it felt like he was able to now take ownership of this. And that's what, that's what compelled him to get better. It wasn't because we asked. It was because there was a sense of connection and ownership he started to take over it. Um, and, and so I think that's what makes the biggest difference is just continuing to, to invest into people and, um, and make, them the, you know, make them the most important thing. So best hour of the day for the staff as well as the, you know, as well as the members. So, but they are, he was much, he was much more receptive and our entire team is much more receptive to receiving feedback because they know we care. Like, and it's because they know we care about them, not that we care that they make us more money. I think, and I think that is probably the key to all of this. I mean, yeah. I think what you've created is phenomenal. I think it's ideal. I think anyone that's listening, that's a box owner needs to get their hands on it and we'll yeah. figure out the way to do that. But yeah, with, and that goes for all feedback, whether it's very black and white or not, right? Like you're, right. you said you're married. It's like, hey, honey, you didn't take out the garbage. If that's right. your only communication for the day, you <laughs> haven't made those deposits. Yeah. Absolutely. Right? And, Absolutely. And it's, it's much more easy for someone to digest when they're like, oh, he, he's coming from a good place. You know, he, he's mm. just asking because he cares and he doesn't want a dirty kitchen or, you know, whatever the case is. And I mm. think like you said, you're doing the same thing. You're not saying, Hey, you're quiet. You're a bad person, et cetera. <laughs> you're saying, yeah. Hey, you're quiet. You know, we're investing in you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think that that's just, that's the hard, that's the hard but rewarding part of this is just to like, man, you can't create a sense of, you can't systemize genuine care. And I mean, I know obviously this wasn't like the, the main topic, I guess we were going to have the conversation about today, but it, I think it is the most important thing. We, um, we were able to get our coaches some, um, some gifts recently, um, just to say like, Hey, it's been a tough two years. Uh, you guys have been above and beyond and more than we've asked. And, uh, we were able this year to take it to, 
you know, to take a ton of positive strides in our gym. So we paid off all of our investor debt and we paid off all of our rogue financing for all of our equipment. And like, we just kind of like feel, felt like we could start to breathe again, even financially as a business. Um, and so we wanted our first thing to do, we wanted to do with those funds that we freed up is to just like thank our coaches. Um, and so we were able to get them all like a gift and um, just kind of wrote them a note as we, as we gave it to them. And so we like got them, RPM, an RPM rope or knee, custom knee sleeves or something like that. And so with one of our coaches, um, she is uh, not high energy. She's not high charisma. She's, um, she is in school for kinesiology right now. And so she's sharp, um, but you wouldn't even know she's that sharp because she's not like boastful about it. Um, she's an L1, like good athlete too, but she's just quieter, more like reserved. Um, that's just her personality. But there, when you watch, you can see it. It's the intangible, just significant, sincere care. It's quieter than most. It's less bubbly and positive uh, than most. But man, it is so significant and so sincere. And so, like, that's just what I wrote in the card. I was like, I don't really know what else to say other than like, I know that sometimes all the things we're trying to do to systemize things around here can be tough. I know that what we're trying to do. To, to create structure can be tough, but you can't system and you can't structure just caring for people. And if you've got it, you got it and she's got it. So we don't want to lose that. So I would say for anybody looking to like systemize anything, man, don't freaking choke the life out of the genuine nature of your culture. Like don't choke the opportunity and like just put a stranglehold on just valuing people first. Um, and cause like you said, man, when, when you have it, you have it and and people know people know whenever you say their name three times because it's written in a book for you to say their name three times in a class versus when you say their name three times because you just care about them you know and and we see that too all the time and so that's kind of been my fear is of trying to balance this and going like dude don't just do it because it's in the book do it because you really care about and love these people you know do it because you want to see them not just stay out of the nursing home long-term, but you want to see them thrive in life. Like, so it's just finding that balance, I think has been, has been tough, but it has been really rewarding at the same time. No, I love it. I think, I think that, you know, as with most things in life, putting it down on paper, making it black and white is always helpful. But yeah, yeah. you know, I think what we're getting to in the root of it is you can, you can definitely help steer people in the right direction. You can definitely help give them a guideline, you know, a compass, um, yes. ultimately it's still going to be hard to measure, but if you don't have it written down and you don't talk to them and, and it sounds like most importantly, you don't invest in your coaches. I mean, that's really what I'm gathering yeah. from you, whether it's all of yeah. the evaluations, the gifts you're giving, you know, the positive right. deposits into their emotional bank. That's what it takes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I definitely want to get my hands on it and then, you know, yeah. we'll, we'll make sure if someone's listening, if they share it, you know, make sure you give Jameson and, and Mossy Creek a shout out. Don't just take it, slap your yeah. box name on it. I mean, I don't yeah. think you particularly care, but um, no, I think that's really important. So yeah, no, I would love, I'd love to have that conversation with anybody, man, and just have build, even build this thing out together in a sense um, of how we can best serve people. I know the the big vision for this would be like make something like this as valuable to the owner as the L one is to the coach. Um, you know. To, to standardize something that like the community can appreciate together. And I think right now is a great time from HQ down uh, to put value on this kind of stuff. So 
for sure. Love it, Jameson. This has been interesting. It's really great. I'll um I'll hit you up offline and get a copy of that. And if people cool. want to find you, is it just Mossy Creek CrossFit on social media? So social media is Mossy Creek Fitness. Uh, my Instagram is just Jameson Price, not like the whiskey. It's spelled with an I, not an E. So Oh, interesting. And yeah. you said it was Mossy Creek Fitness on Instagram. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. What made you go into box ownership rather than ministry? Uh, it felt like uh, I could be, I could make a, a, a more significant missional impact in the box than uh, on Sunday mornings. And I, I know that's a loaded statement and it's just personal for me. It's not meant to be political. Uh, it's just, uh, I grew up on the mission field. My, my dad's been a pastor. Um, and so for me, uh, ministry has looked a lot more like apprenticeship, just trying to be like Jesus and be a disciple. And I could do that. Um, what crystallized it for me was just, you know what, I'm supposed to wake up every day like a missionary. And I'm going to do that at the box and I'm going to do that. And so we've kind of got vision for our whole, our whole small town here to just make a bigger impact. Um, so we're kind of embedded into a historical downtown here in Jefferson city. And uh, we want to be a part of renovating and restoring kind of the life to downtown. Um, and that feels like a really important work uh, for me. It feels like what it feels like the Lord has called me and my wife to do together and um crossfit from day one has felt like the tool to do it um and i'm not yeah i think it is unique so i know it is a loaded statement and i'm not saying that <laughs> that ministry is not worthwhile it's, a, it's and i'm saying fitness career. is more important than ministry burpees not, are better than church I'm but you're saying, saying that. but you're saying you <laughs> I, could do just as good a job in front of a group of people exercising as you can a group of people sitting in pews. Yeah, man, absolutely. I, I struggled. I began to struggle to recognize the eternal value I was able to make standing on the stage on a Sunday morning, but I don't struggle at all to see the eternal value when I stand in front of people in a class. It's um, all, and that's personal. It's, it's all the same. All it you're is. trying to do is make people happier, healthier, you know, better yeah. human beings. And like you said Definitely. earlier on, just being kind to one another. Yeah, absolutely. And you, you can do that through thrusters or you can do that through reading Bible <laughs> passages, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, one of those may be easier. <laughs> <laughs> it depends who you're talking to, I suppose. That's, that's true. That's true. Right. It yeah. was really great talking to you about this. I'm going to shoot you an email when we get off, but uh, yeah. really great having you on. And as, as people are interested, maybe we'll have you back on for a Q&A about it. Yeah, no, I would, I'd love to. Obviously, we didn't really talk about the details of the book, which is great. I, I'm, I love the topic that we, we got into. So any way that I can be helpful, that'd be awesome. I really appreciate the, the opportunity to chat as well. Well, thanks, Jameson. Have a great rest of your day. Thanks again for listening to Best Hour of Their Day. If you haven't already, do us a favor. Head over to the Apple Podcast app and leave us a review We'd love to hear from you if you have any questions, comments, concerns, feedback for either Fern or myself. Hit us up, besthouroftheirday at gmail.com or send us a DM over on Instagram at besthouroftheirday. Once again, we couldn't do this without the amazing community and you are a part of it. Thanks for listening. Thanks for supporting Best Hour of Their Day.